Well, good morning, church. And it's so good to be back. Uh, we just got back from Florida this past week. Uh, it was sunny in 75 every day. We really were blessed. It was fantastic. Um, we're, we're so thankful for that time off. And it's so good to see many of you back. Good to see our college students back. Good to see the Zabon's Action Church. Welcome back. <laughs> a lot of people I haven't seen. It's good to see all of you. And I do, I do want to thank uh, Gene Frost and Mark Torgerson for filling the pulpit the past couple weeks and giving us a much-needed time off. Thank you so much. And at the start of 2023, 20, we are doing a sermon series uh, through the Gospel of John. We're going to be going through the whole Gospel over the next about five months. And uh, it's called Believe, Life in Jesus. And so far, we've had some amazing themes Themes that could be their own sermon series altogether. In the opening of the gospel, John refers to Jesus as the light of the world. He's the light shining in the darkness. And then last week, we talked about John the Baptist's message, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he told people, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, we're going to pick up right where we left off with John the Baptist's message. You can open your Bibles to John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Now, John the Baptist had just told his disciples about the Lamb of God, and so that, it picks up the next day in verse 35. It says, The next day John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? That also could be translated, what do you want? What are you seeking? Now, Jesus asked questions a lot, and we would do well as Christians to keep asking each other questions and asking ourselves questions. And I wonder how you would answer this question. From Jesus. If you imagined your Lord asking you this question, what are you looking for? What is it you really want? What are you seeking with your life right now? See, there's a direct link in this passage and in life between what we see and what we seek. There is a link between what you look at and what you're looking for. There's a link between how you see life and what you seek with your life. I mean, advertisers know this all too well. If you see that juicy, delicious hamburger sizzling on the grill, if you can hear the sound of the grease, oh, then maybe you'll seek it out and go buy one from Burger King. No, not from Burger King, they're not very good. I'm more, more of a Chick-fil-A person myself. But the problem is we live in the darkness and, and through the world and its, its power structures, its advertisements, what we see on the screens, it sucks us in. And Satan whispers to us, he lies to us, and he gets us to look at and seek out destructive options. Now, if you're in our church's Bible reading plan, which, by the way, it's not too late to jump in, we recently read Matthew 4. And it's where Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And Satan basically presents different options for Jesus to look at. Hey, look at this stone. You can turn it into bread. 
Hey, look at this. You can throw yourself down, Jesus. He says he showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. You can have this if you would just bow down and worship me. Look how enticing it is. That's how sin works. We begin to see things from the wrong perspective. We entertain thoughts and desires in our mind's eye. And the seeing in our mind leads to seeking it out with our actions in our lives. And it gives birth to death. And so in this world of darkness and sin, your only hope is to look at the light. You have to get your eyes on the light. If you look at the light, you can begin to see things correctly and seek out the will of God and walk in it. And that's why John the Baptist's cry is, look, look at the Lamb, behold Him, take notice of Him, keep your eyes upon the Lamb of God. It says the two disciples heard Him say this and they followed Jesus. Seeing the Lamb led to following the Lamb. When we look at the light, it helps us seek the light. And this is something that's, that's so important, friends, that you have to do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. You have to take responsibility for what you see and what you seek. And you have to see for yourself firsthand who Jesus is, what he reveals, what he calls us to do. Twice in this passage, people are told to come and see. Come and see for yourself. And when you come to Jesus, that's when you will truly start seeing things from his perspective. That's the gospel invitation. Come and see. Come and you will see how we ought to see. So seeing, seeing the light, seeing things in the light will change everything. If you begin to see things with eyes for the kingdom. So this morning, I want to give you several invitations to come and see for yourself. And my first is this, to come and see his grace. Come and see his grace. Look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, this is an incredible topic, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it because Gene covered this for us last week. But, oh friend, never forget how good and gracious your God is. Jesus was sent to be our Passover, our sacrificial lamb. And the lambs that were sacrificed were perfect and spotless. And what you have to know is that blood was considered to be the life of the animal, the life blood. So by their death, the life blood is released, covering sin, which leads to death. Do you see the connection? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sin cuts us off from the life-giving presence of God. But blood is life. But unfortunately, the blood of animals cannot cover our sins forever. But the blood of God himself, the blood of the one who is life in his very existence, the creator himself, the gospel says in Jesus was life. When his lifeblood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, that's what makes eternal life possible because it covers our death-producing sin. Friends, Jesus did not come to give you temporary forgiveness. 
He didn't come to give you wishy-washy forgiveness. He didn't come so that you, you might wonder, am I forgiven? No. Jesus came so you could be forgiven forever. Forever. That's incredible. And you might think you don't deserve this. And you would be right. It says in John earlier, verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Despite the fact we are sinners. Christ Jesus was the Lamb of God who forever takes away our sin by his lifeblood shed on the cross. Therefore, our death-producing sin is covered and we are forgiven. This is grace. You are saved by this grace through your union, through your fellowship with this one who has shed his blood for you. Come and see his grace. John in, the, in verse 14, he said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace for you. And He's also full of truth, which brings me to my second invitation, is to come and see the truth. Come and see the truth. Remember the two disciples Jesus asked, What are you looking for? And they say to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They view Jesus as a teacher of divine truth, a rabbi, and he still is our teacher. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says later, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Without Jesus, without the light, we're in the darkness in, in the darkness, we will look at and then seek out the wrong, broken, destructive things. Now, about a year ago, I recently rewatched that thrilling series, The Matrix. <laughs> the fourth one came out. It wasn't very good. I don't re recommend the fourth one. The trilogy was fine as is. Uh, but the genius of that series, in my mind, is that all of humanity is pictured in a dream world, and everyone, in reality, is asleep and controlled by machines. But they don't know it, except for a small group of people who begin to wake up and realize the truth, that they're being controlled. And when they wake up and see the truth, that changes everything, that we must now be free. And I think reality is very close to that, because in reality, this world is not all there is. We there is an invisible reality going on around us. Jesus is on the throne, worshipped by countless and throngs of angels. There is a spiritual warfare going on for your soul, for your life. There is an enemy who is lying. These are things that we cannot see, but open your eyes to see the truth. In the light of Jesus, we can know the truth, and it sets us free from the dark forces of this world. You know, I think it's no coincidence that one of the lies you often hear the world tell is there's no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. And if there is truth, you can never know it. How do you know that's true? Is that true absolutely? I mean, it's already a self-defeating lie. And I simply want to say to you, friends, don't reject the gift that Jesus came to bring to you. He wants you to know the truth. Satan wants you to believe lies. Open your eyes to the truth. Sometimes 
the truth is much more complicated than a black and white answer. So I'm not saying that. I mean, we think about, is Jesus God or man? Yes. Is God loving or just? Yes. Can we come just as I am? Or are we invited to repent? Yes. Yes. Sometimes the truth is more gray than black and white, but that still means it's the truth. These are realities we are invited to come see and experience for ourselves. That's why in the covenant we ask you, where is it written? Where is it written? We don't, we don't throw up our hands and say, the Bible's just too complicated. I'm not going to be able to figure out God's will for my life. No, we are invited in community with the church, the church locally, the church globally, the church historically, throughout the world, to discern God's good, His pleasing, His perfect will. God wants you to know what He wills. But you have to come and see for yourself. You have to do the work. You have to discern it. You have to be in community. You have to have conversation. You have to look at the scriptures for yourselves. Where is it written? Come and see the truth. The third invitation I would give you is to come and see who Jesus really is. This is perhaps the central point of this passage. Come and see Jesus. Come and see Jesus for yourself. The two disciples, they wanted to know what Jesus was like. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And that was a way of saying, we want to follow you. We want to be your disciples. We want to know what your life is like. And Jesus gives them the invitation. Come and you'll see. Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him and said it was about four in the afternoon. Now, after hearing what John the Baptist preached and seeing for themselves, Andrew, a man named Andrew, comes to a conclusion. In verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, in this passage, three times, we see people meeting Jesus and coming to a conclusion about who he is. Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel, they meet Jesus for themselves and they discover who he is. So first, we just encountered Andrew, who says, we have found the Messiah. He's concluded. The promised king that God was promising is here. We found him. Second, a few verses later, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. says in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, Philip, after seeing Jesus for himself, he's now seeing in the light. He's beginning to see things in the light. And how he viewed the whole Bible... How he viewed God's holy scriptures has now entirely changed. Everything written in this book, everything that Moses wrote about, the prophets wrote about, was pointing to this one. We have found him. And this is when we get the famous quote from Nathaniel. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. 
Now, Philip is already a good disciple. He's going to get an A+, because he says the same words. He gives the same invitation his rabbi did. He learned to do evangelism from Jesus already. Come and see. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see Jesus for yourself. And when Jesus does see Nathanael, he tells him he, he saw him supernaturally under the fig tree. And Nathanael also comes to a conclusion in verse 49. Nathanael declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Friends, this is how evangelism and discipleship begin. We invite people to come and see. Come and see Jesus yourself. Come read the gospel with me. Come hear my pastor preach about him. Come to my community group where we're talking about the gospel of John. Come and see for yourself how great Jesus is. And then you will see. Come and see for yourself. The next invitation I would give you is to come and see how to live. Come and see how to live. Jesus shows us and invites us into a way of life. Jesus did not invite his disciples to learn some theology and discuss it, although that's very important, the truth is important, but it is fundamental that they ask, where are you staying? What is your life like? How do you live? That's why Jesus says to Philip, follow me, follow me, come learn from me. And we're all given that same invitation daily. Come and follow Jesus. Take up your cross, die to yourself and follow him. See how we lived. As we, as we read Matthew in our Bible reading plan again and again, as we go through the Gospel of John in our sermon series, we will see our master, we will see the king, we will see our Lord. And we have to ask ourselves, how can I live like he did? How can I walk like he walked? Jesus' life is the pattern for our own. And it his life can guide every facet of yours. Sometimes we wonder, how do, I, how do I be a good person? How do I be a good friend, a husband or wife or mother or father or sibling or son or daughter? How do I treat other people? What do I live for? What do I look for in life? And I invite you to come learn from Jesus how to live. And he will show you. The next invitation, I think this one is very important. Come and see who you really are. Come and see who you really are. Our lives are often messy, broken, sinful, or chaotic because we don't even know who we are. And the story, the world wants to trap us in lies. And basically the story of our world, the story of our, of our culture is that actually you have no story. You're not in the story. You get to write your own. You get to make it up. Be whoever it is you want to be. Reach for the stars. Make your own destiny. Be yourself. The worst thing you could do is to not be yourself and write your own destiny. One of my favorite musicians, John Foreman of Switchfoot, he's such a poet. He really is. And he says, how can we be ourselves if we don't know who we are? I'm looking for the one that made me. I'm looking for the one that made me. 
If you don't know who you are, if you don't know who made you, who designed you, who created you, if you don't know that your identity is in a grand story of the universe, then you will do what our world says is construct your own. And if you build your own identity, how fragile is that? Anything can rattle it and break it. We try to construct our identity on many things. We do it based upon what we look like, what clothes we wear, what we accomplish, where we live, how much we make. Sometimes we think, if I could just be more like this, then I would be whole. But these are all false and fragile ways of constructing your self-identity and worth. See the truth, friends. Here's the good news. Jesus already knows who you really are. You already have an identity. You are his beloved. You are his beloved. And he sees who you are, and he also sees who you can become when he's in your life. When Jesus saw Peter, he said to him, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. That's the word for rock. It's going to be the rock on which Jesus builds the church. And one theologian essentially says, Simon could not have discovered the identity of Peter, the identity of being the rock without Jesus. As Rich Fiota says, the gospel maintains that our core identity is not what we discover in ourselves, but what Christ confers. It's grace. He gives you your identity. He gives you your life purpose. He sees all that you are and all that you can become. One of my favorite scenes in a Disney movie is from The Lion King. Simba has run away from home. Out in the jungle, out in the world, he has taken on a false identity and a false worldview. Akuna Matata. It mean, yeah, what? <laughs> what does it mean? Any kids know what it means? No worries. For the rest of our days. It's our problem for a philosophy, right? Just don't worry about anything. Do whatever it is you would like to do. Be whoever it is you would like to be. Akuna Matata. That's about the attitude of the world summed up. You do you and I'll do me. But deep down, Simba feels lost. Not everything is right in his world. And the monkey Rafiki leads him to encounter the spirit of his father. And Mufasa, when the big cloud appears, he says to him, Simba, you have forgotten me. No. How could I, Simba says. You have forgotten who you are. And so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. Simba says, how can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. And Mufasa tells him, remember who you are. You are my son of the one true king. Remember who you are. Friends, you are God's image bearer. You are created, designed to reflect his glory, to reflect his goodness, to reflect his holiness and justice to this world. Jesus has come to call you back to who he has called and designed you to be. 
And some of you, in, you know in your mind, you know that your identity is in Christ, but in your heart, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are reconciled to God. You are part of his holy people. You were once in the darkness. You are now in the light. Jesus wants to call out of you your true identity to shed the false ego, the false identities of the world, and to live into who he made you to be, to call you out of your mediocrity and your lukewarmness and into a vibrant walk with him because that's how he designed you. Remember who you are. You are a Christ follower. You are his disciple. You are someone who follows in the footsteps of Jesus. You are his loved one. You are his beloved. You don't need to look inside yourself to find yourself. You don't need to look outward to find the approval of others. Where do you look? You look to Jesus. You look to Jesus to find who you really are. Come to him and see for yourself. And finally, my last invitation for this morning is come and see greater things. Come and see greater things. Friends, life with Jesus should be the most exciting way to live. In verse 50, Jesus said to Nathaniel after this supernatural seeing under the fig tree, he says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open in the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that last part is talking about the unifying of heaven and earth, that the, the greatest thing that all of us will see with our own eyes is when Jesus comes again and he reunites heaven and earth and all shall be well and it will be beyond what you can even imagine right now. You're going to see that. But also in this life, you can see greater things. Greater things, supernatural things. If, we, if you have the faith, if you have the eyes to see it, we can see people come to salvation. We can see the broken restored, sin defeated, relationships healed, all in Jesus' name. There is a supernatural world going on all around us. The Holy Spirit is constantly at work. God is constantly speaking and doing things and we're invited to see that God might be doing something greater. Our discipleship triads, we're, we're working on memorizing this passage in Ephesians 3 where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Friends, God can do more than you can imagine. That's why we have to be on the lookout for greater things. Does God want to do something greater here? Does he want to bring healing? Does he want to bring transformation beyond what I'm seeing right now? So friends, as I close, let me remind you that what you see determines what you speak. What you look at, what, you're, what you see with your eyes determines what you're looking for. So come and look at Jesus. Look at the Lamb of God. Look at the light. And in his light, come and see his grace, his truth, who he really is, how to live your life, who you really are. 
and the greater things that he has in store for you. So I just want to ask you that question that Jesus began with. What are you looking for? What are you really looking for today, tomorrow, and with your life? Come and see Jesus.